For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the grounds crew in 91, Worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome, Browns backers. It's Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and we're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy Browns Believe, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcasts. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast. You can also find us at Browns Believe. That's at Browns B-L-E-A-V. Tony, not a whole ton going on since the schedule release, but we're going to talk about a couple different things. Today we'll talk about the NFL readiness for the season. We'll talk about the Bill Barnwell piece that recently came out, gave the Browns the number two ranked offseason in the league. And then we're going to talk about what a lot of folks have talking been talking about, the, shall we say, lack of experience at the linebacker position for the Cleveland Browns. But we'll begin with NFL readiness the NFL began limited facility openings on Tuesday for business staffers. Uh, not every team opened or, or took advantage. Um, off-season programs run through May 29th. Uh, off-season end date is June 26th. The first training camp, uh, which is the Ravens, opens on July 22nd. What do you see happening from now until the beginning of camp and then for camp, do you see a closed camp or do you see an open camp where fans are allowed to attend as has been in the past? Well, you know, I, I've been spending a ton of time um, just talking to um, not just folks with the Browns, but folks that I know throughout the league, just 
about how this is going to happen. And, you know, something unique to the Browns is when the Haslam's, um, when they first arrived here in Cleveland and took over ownership, um, obviously, or, or you know, hopefully we all remember Joe Banner. I mean, he's hard to forget. So <laughs> Joe, Joe was the guy they brought in. And the, and the one big thing that Joe wanted to do was create a culture, you know, within the organization. And, and he did that by um, taking all the offices from the stadium, which was, uh, you know, a lot of our ticket sales, marketing there was some marketing folks there sales folks there we brought everybody to Berea so the whole entire organization they built out the building to make sure that everybody had space which was great at the time but now I'm thinking about it now now in this situation we're currently in the first thing I would do before we get to the the the, the team on the field would be to get everybody out of that building that is not essential to football operations and and I know that's going to be a tricky fight because you're going to have, I mean, there's going to be certain people. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's going to be people fighting over. I'm essential. I need to talk to the players. Yeah, it, but we but the bottom line is, if you're serious about making this happen, you got to get those people the hell out of the building. You, you got to get them out of the building um, because there's just no no need to bring in. It's hard enough to monitor the the guys that you're going to have on the team and coaches. You don't need to be monitoring outside people. So everyone in the building, other than coaches and trainers, should be out of that building. I'd even say, what do you, you don't need ownership or anybody else in there. I mean, yeah, I think pop in for a meeting, but yeah, I PR feel, staff might be your only guys that that you need in there because because I don't with, even know without fans. Yeah, but without fans, you're going to need that media. Well, can, can you do that remotely though? Well, how is you're going to do every single person and piece is going to be remote? That's going to be tough, right? Because your ESPN accesses, your all your beat writers. I mean, you can do that. I think removed, right? Where guys aren't you're not opening the locker room like they were doing it at the tail end for the NBA. But I think you're going to have to have people on site. Otherwise, it's it's going to be tough to to generate not the obviously you're going to be able to generate the Sunday stuff, but you're not going to be able to generate the Monday through Saturday stuff that really amps everything up. Yeah. Food service will have to be changed. I mean, that's all, I mean, it was generally, you know, like I say, these are little things that the average listeners probably, you know, who who really cares. But I mean, it's depressed. And it's a challenge. I mean, having worked for organizations where everybody was in the same building and then having worked for organizations where ticketing, you know, and stadium ops and all those folks were in a different building, it is a different dynamic, right? It, it does, like anything, it, your relationships with those folks aren't as strong as when, hey, you know what, I can pop out and, hey, Jimmy, you want to go to lunch? Or, hey, Sally, you want to go to lunch? And they're right there. Or if I need a favor from somebody, I can ask them because they're sitting right there and I have to call them. Um, but this situation kind of, Hey, you, you, I would agree. You do have to make some changes and I don't know how quickly you can re-outfit the stadium though. That's going to be the challenge as well. Are the Haslam's going to want to pay for that, um, to make that happen. I think you have the space obviously, because I think you can utilize some of those spaces that aren't going to be used now on game days. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, if teams, not just the Browns make those changes. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, probably the moving the offices there is not as difficult as it may seem. I mean, you can actually um, 
the fastest way to do it would be to break the suites up, um, you know, by department and just allow people to work in, you know, the suites for starts. There are still some banks of offices that are used there on game day. And then, of course, the the go-to all the time for, you know, mass movement is the um, press box. I mean, that's a big enough area that you can put cubicles in there with, um, you know, probably higher dividers. Um, and, you know, it, it, that's just an easier uh, place to do it. It can be done. The, the reality is it's going to have to be done because I, I can't see how you – I just can't see how it would work having everyone in that building if, if you're going to say you're trying to take this serious. And I, I don't know how you could even risk having – you know, every time you add a person, you're adding another layer of risk as far as uh, the players getting infected or. I agree, but I think you might be better off doing trailers for your staff because realistically, those suites on game days are going to be, they're like self-contained units. So the suites are perfect if you want to try to have fans with coronavirus, right? Because it's like, hey, you come with the people that are in your suite, you stay in your suite. And and then I don't have to worry about you mingling with all the other fans um, for some of that stuff. So so moving those things in and out on a daily basis may be more of a challenge. It might be easier just to get some of those, you know, portable trailer work trailers, set those up um, somewhere and have people operate out of those or just have those people still operate from home. I mean, there's no reason that, you know, your your HR staff or your payroll staff or your finance staff, you know, can't necessarily continue to operate from their house yeah i mean i think that might be the easiest one now now what about training camp you know i think coaches would love it if it's closed doors because coaches are paranoid um but your chief revenue officers are going to hate it um because yes i get okay it's free to go to training camp yes but plenty of sponsor activation plenty of those meet and greets and those vip access that are part of your partnership agreements are built into training camp that you're not going to be able to leverage. So you're going to have to figure out, okay, are we, how do we reallocate resources that we have to make good for these partnerships? If, if training camp is closed door, I think it's going to be closed door. What do you think for training camp for 2020? Well, I, I think it's closed door. And I think, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to come across sounding uh, pie in the sky here. Um, the, the Pollyanna uh, view I think this is a perfect opportunity for an organization that has had trouble in the past keeping sponsors because, you know, with this, you know, we ramp it up, we're going to be amazing, and then it just doesn't happen. We ramp it up, it's going to be amazing, it just doesn't happen. This would be a great opportunity for, for the organization to reach out to sponsors and say, listen, these are unprecedented times. Um, the fact that you stuck with us through all of this, and not even, you know, the COVID and, and even our prior tragedies of one in 15 and 0 and 16, um, <laughs> you know, I, I either give them a discount on it, a rebate. What, I, don't know, I hate to use the word rebate. Uh, um, like, like a discount, come up with some form or fashion to kind of take care of them for, for remaining sponsors without getting the full activation or the full promise of the contract. Because I don't think once again, it's responsible to bring in fans. It for, forget the, forget the infection part of it or, or the, the potential hazard of spreading the COVID. 
we, we have not we have not had any practices. I, I, I mean, and like you said, the, the, the just the distraction of it. I, I get that there's times where you know if it were a normal year, it's awesome because the crowd amps up the players and you feel like maybe you're getting a little bit more out of them in practice. But at this point, we need dead silence. Everyone shut up and let's pay attention because. The reality is we've got a young team that's a new coach, new coordinators, new I mean it's new everything across the board. And, and even the players, um uh, well, although you know you're Batonios, we, we got some vets, a majority of the people in the room, even player-wise, are new or young. I we would benefit from just the cone of silence. Um <laughs> for training camp. And, and like I said, I mean, as you pointed although, out, although are you live streaming practices? Are you live streaming camp then? I mean, is the NFL going to say, hey, we want every team to live stream camp for the fans and and that'll drive traffic and then we can, hey, we can try to capitalize on some of that to, as sponsorship make goods? Yeah. I, I mean, and I think even if the league doesn't advocate it, the Browns could be on the, 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 the you know, front line of that. I mean, you obviously have an owner who has experience in – you know, broadcast, uh, I mean, why not? I mean, because even if you don't want the fan, it's great. You can, you, you don't, you can turn the sound off on the coaches. You could always have <laughs> one of your in-house guys doing some, you know, um, broad or some uh, commentating over what they're seeing there. If you don't want like, you know, obviously they're going to be all out verbiage of plays and this and that. I mean, you can always just turn off the mics on the coaches and, um, turn on the mics of your your announcers and you're ready to go um seven second delay fans there it's just it's too risky why why risk it at this point no i got you i got you yeah and i i i would imagine that it would have to be closed i can't imagine them having open training camps but i think the league needs to do something um to further engage the fans with that, knowing that, hey, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to come out in person this year because, you know, you know, those people that, oh, man, I go to training camp every year and all of this. And it, it's part of the ritual of getting ready for the season. You want to make sure that you're able to take care of those people and do that. So you're going to have to come up with some way for those fans to still be engaged, still be active with training camp. And I think the easiest way is if, if you make it you know, hey, you can live stream some of the practices. And like you said, you don't have to turn, you don't have to give the coaches mics. You don't have to give the players mics. Yeah. And anything you hear, hey, you'd be able to hear that stuff if you were sitting on the sideline anyway, watching the practice. So I don't think there's any secret uh, knowledge that's going to be gained. And you can make the same rules where, hey, you know, just like we tell teams, you can't send scouts to training camp practices that are open and available to the public. You can't watch the streams and then you just have to trust everybody except for those guys up in New England that they're going to behave and and not uh, and not watch that. So uh. and, 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 you know, when when you look at um, if you look at uh, what, what the, the Browns have done in the past, the one thing I will say they've been excellent with in the last five years of training camp is the, the high end hospitality end of it and taking care of their sponsors. They have a, a bunch of skybox suites set up. Now, you could. You know, you could continue to do those 
just the only thing you would do is limit the you know after practice access to the the players, but then maybe you make up for that where you have uh, Baker or the guys figure out how many people are coming and have them sign something for everyone so that they they, they get you know you can you can come up with a zillion ways to take care of people without yeah. having contact. Um, so so that's probably still an option for your high high end people, but I just think the I, the the days of Rows and rows of people lined up on the fence, and the players working the fence. <laughs> yeah, that ain't if happening. That ain't happening. That's just not happening. Um, or at least it shouldn't. If it does, I'd be really, really surprised. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that happening. I can't imagine that happening. We're not going to get into the whole how. I mean, just think. Of, I mean, for those folks, imagine the number of testing. Oh, that the amount of testing that has to be done for all the coaches, for all the players, for all the staff. You know, every time you bring in more people, you're just going to have to increase that number. And so you want to try to thin that out. And with camp having the number of guys, I haven't heard anything from the league or from the NFLPA about reducing the number of players coming to camp. So if that's not going to be there, then you're starting with, you know, what, 90 guys at the beginning of camp. Um, And yeah, you're cutting down, but you're still going to have a high number of individuals that you're going to have to test on a regular basis. So just some of that stuff is going to be um, logistically, I am glad I'm not necessarily a director of operations for a uh, professional or collegiate athletic uh, program right now. Oh, I I was just thinking just that the Browns did an excellent job of putting out a um, a kind of a checklist for youth football, you know, people who are involved in youth football. And one of the things Uh I looked on and I thought about it, you know, back when I was in high school, we would uh, weigh in and weigh out before every every before and after every practice. But they also had the line where you you had to do the uh, temperature check before and after. And, and I'm thinking, man, think about that at a college level. Like, I mean, obviously you can buy the little <laughs> the little thermometers, but to have to check everyone's temperature before and after, you can't miss on people because all it takes is missing one guy. And and that could be- well, it's not even that. It's like, I mean, look at the time of year you're practicing and look at some of the places you're going to be practicing. If you don't have an indoor practice bubble or something like that, and even if you do, like, I mean, if you're, I mean, I just remember myself being down at the U or being down with the Dolphins, it's, or even Tampa, when I was in Tampa, I mean, we were doing training camp in Orlando where there's no breeze and it, you're doing a, a practice in July. Like, your temperature at the end of practice is going to be elevated. Uh, I don't care how many fluids you consume throughout the practice. And so just having that understanding that there's going to be a range, are you going to have to set all of those guys aside and say, Hey, you have to sit here for 15 minutes and drink water until uh, your body temp cools down, even though, you know, the likelihood of you showing symptoms between the start of practice and the end of practice is, I mean, I get it, but you know, so, so all of that stuff's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not an athletic trainer. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll move on to kind of the off season breakdown. We'll go into the, you know, Bill Barnwell had the Browns number two. And for a lot of the reasons of what we talked about, right. In previous podcasts, you had the Jack Conklin signing, you had the Jell Dredrick Willis, Will's drafting, you had, you know, Hooper coming back, you have Miles Garrett coming back, um, you know, so so those signings, those picks ranked highly. I think he does mention a couple things that a lot of people have not mentioned, right? Everybody mentions, oh, well, all the weapons, right? And they specifically talk about Odell and they specific, specifically talk about Jarvis Landry. 
not many people mention that both of those players are coming back from surgery. Yeah. You know, Jarvis Landry had hip surgery. Uh, OBJ had the kind of hernia type surgery. So are those guys going to be fully ready with an offseason where they haven't necessarily been able to engage with the team trainers? I'm sure they're working out with their guys individually. And those guys are both professionals. I'm sure they're going to be as prepared as possible. But are they going to be as productive immediately taking some of those hits coming back from those surgeries? And I think that's going to be an interesting one um, for the Browns. I think that's that's the key key point he makes. I think. Well, I, I think I think you know with Jarvis, I think his is probably. Uh, I mean, the sports hernia, I think, is is one that um, probably a little bit. I would think the recovery on that one is probably a little bit easier. And I, I think that is probably the one that would least affect performance um, if if it's rehabbed correctly. Um, Jarvis in the hip, I, I think that's one that's it'd probably be a little bit more alarming if he wasn't 27 years old. I mean, I think the fact that he's young, I mean, I don't know his history of recovery, you know, from prior surgeries. But, you know, the, the fact that he's 27 is good. But uh, yesterday uh, – he had come out and said that, um, you know, he be- he believed that he was a- ahead of schedule, and and um, he's saying that he'll be ready by August. Um, but but you know, when I hear that, like the by August is tough because what? Let's go back to what we just said about training camp. <laughs> we have not had a single practice, and I, I think I don't think Jarvis is a guy I would worry too much about in regards to like learning the playbook, knowing where you know. He's a guy that will he'll be fine there, but it's the timing. You know, is that stuff going to be back, uh, or how quickly can that stuff snap back? Because when you're not running live drills, and, and as we all know, um, you can run your tree routes and all this other stuff, but he's not really going to even know if he can take a hit. Um, yeah, you, you know, until the season's already getting ready to start. So that, that'll be tough. It's something to keep an eye on, um, and it's something I, I guess. We're not the only. I guess we're blessed in that we're not the only team that's going through that. I know the Steelers will be, you know, their actual quarterback is, is you know, obviously coming back from a surgery. So I, I think every team's got these things to worry about. But I, I think Landry's age uh, benefits him for his surgery, and I think Beckham, um, just the fact that you know his was the the, the hernia. I mean, hopefully. Obviously, that's something you don't want to come back, but I would think that's one that the rehab on that um, is probably not as difficult as the hip in terms of performance. Um, so, yeah, I think I would agree with that. I mean, it's 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 not an uncommon surgery, so so we're we're blessed from that standpoint, from a hopefully a performance standpoint. So we'll move forward here, Tony, to the Browns linebackers, a topic of conversation kind of across the board for a lot of folks. The Browns have nine linebackers on the roster right now. They have five linebackers who have never made a start in the NFL. They have two linebackers that have made five or fewer starts, and then they have two linebackers who have made 14 plus starts out of the nine linebackers. They have five undrafted free agents and a combined 49 starts. Um, 
<laughs> I'm going to assume this is the, the point that kept us from getting an A in the offseason. Is this? <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I just I, I don't I don't know where to start. I, I mean, you know, and well, let me start with this. I mean, let's go back to what we said. We've we've got a new group, and I mean, in all fairness to everybody, is. As good as last year's team looked like coming out of the blocks on paper, I think we said this all last season, that, that there, were, there were holes in, in, that needed to be filled, major holes that needed to be filled in the roster. Um, and with that being said, I, I think we, we filled a large majority of them, okay? I, I think we're in a good position as far as personnel goes but the one area that I was a little surprised that we weren't able to take care of was this linebacker spot. And um, while it's not like super alarming, uh, it, it, the reality is last year it was one of our areas that we, you know, it caused us to lose some games. I mean, when you think of the, um, you know, games we had where people were running all over us, um, it was, you know, I, I think a lot of it had to do with our play up the middle. Um, and, and I would have thought it would have been probably th- at least three, maybe not one or two on our list, but at least three on our list as far as areas of concern and to just have as little, um, you know, improvement there as we have, if any, uh, is kind of alarming. Um, but I, you know, once again, th- there's going to be other opportunities between now and the start of the season to bring in people. Um, but otherwise, if you're not going to bring in people, then we got to coach up what we have. And I, I guess the number one question I would ask is, do we have anybody here that we can coach up that it's going to be? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're looking at. I mean, Mac Wilson, I mean, performed OK last year. I mean, 14 starts. He was a rookie. Um, he's a little raw and, and maybe you're hoping, but he's your second most experienced linebacker in terms of actual starts on your roster. You know, BJ Goodson is is your most experienced linebacker and then realistically if you're looking at it your third linebacker to open the season at this point is either Taki Taki or your third round pick Jacob Phillips. That's those are your starting linebackers. And that's a challenge because you're probably not rolling out Montrell Meander, Jermaine Grace, um Willie Harvey any of those guys, maybe Solomon and Jai, but I mean, again, in a UDA, yeah, okay, his his brother's in the league, so maybe he has some understanding of some of those things. But it's like you said, a, a point there. They knew there was a weakness, and there was not a ton of movement. Yes, they they did bring in BJ Goodson and they did draft Jacob Phillips, but that's not bringing in veteran experience at an elite level that's bringing in a guy that's played four years in the NFL and had 29 starts total and a rookie well what are our options we mentioned this talk to me a little bit about what we were talking about off air from an option standpoint for this team because I think this is a great idea well I, I I think I think signing uh Matthews right now because he's still out there and I know people are going to roll their eyes you know he's old he's this he's that I'm not signing him in hopes of him being uh, you know Lawrence Taylor on this team Uh, okay we're not looking to sign him to be the cure-all but what I am looking to do is sign somebody who's going to give you a couple snaps Um, 
And, and he proved last year that he can be a game changer um, still, you know, when, when in there for limited snaps. I mean, I thought he did an awesome job last year, um, you know, shaking things up. But I think more importantly, he's going to be a veteran presence that's going to be able to coach up the players that you have. And, and obviously, you know, we talked, and I know you don't, I got to be careful of this because I, you know, when I was there, I always said there should be a separation between football and, you know, everything else. But it, for a fan base that is not going to be invited to practices, that is not maybe going to be invited. <laughs> I mean, you do have to, you do have to be cognizant of the fact that you, you know, this is we're doing this for the fans. I mean, that 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 is the reality um, that these games are being played for the fans. There are there are customers. Um, so to have someone like Clay Matthews, I think it would bring just some extra energy, extra juice. And and it's not like you're just bringing him in because he's got a he's got the name he's got a resume that warrants at least giving him a look because I, I think and, and I wouldn't have said this if they would have kept you know Kirksey I thought they should have kept Kirksey they should have made an effort to keep him um, I wasn't really as disappointed with Schobert because I I felt like while he was good he was I don't think he was ever going to make that that step to great. I mean, he, he was definitely good, but uh, Kirksey was a guy. The minute you you let him walk, like you had to, you had to be looking for someone to fill that void, and that that gets goes back to what we said. You know, in the off season, we made so many great moves, but allowing like those two to leave from a staff that was already thin to begin with, I think you've got to go out there and and you've got to bring in a big name guy like like clay and i think he would be i mean come on it's not even about the big name right i mean like you mentioned his numbers he would have been second on the team in sacks last year no he had eight he would have been two and a half above the third place player if he was on the roster he was two and a half above where the second best uh brown was ogan joby with five and a half and you know yes he's not the guy he was in his 20s, he's not racking up double-digit sack seasons, but he, still, he was pretty damn close. But he's a presence. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to win. He can come in, and at least if you're really saying that, hey, Mac Wilson, Jacob Phillips are going to be starting, so a guy who was a rookie last year and a guy who's going to be a rookie this year, then they're going to need all the mentorship they can have and, and B.J. Goodson's probably not that guy at this point. He's still young in his career. Yeah. So there's nobody in that unit that has been in the league prior to 2016, Tony. There's no one on the unit right now that has completed five years in the NFL. That's amazing. So they need to bring in some kind of veteran presence and if you can get Clay on a one-year deal, yes, it's great for the fans. It's great for the city of Cleveland. I mean, at this point, I don't even care who it is. Bring in somebody that's got a little more than four years in the league just to have somebody in that room that can tell guys, hey, this is how you need to do things. And and that's what you need. And I think Clay would be that perfect guy. Yeah. No, and I think – I don't think he'd have a problem coming here too. He's got family that are still in the area. Um, you, you know, he's familiar with the area. He grew up here. I mean, literally grew up here um, before the, the his, his father retired and they moved out to California. But um, 
uh, yeah, I, I just think that, that, that regardless of it, whether it's him or if it's if you know I'm the, you know the list is getting shorter of of who's available, but um, you, you know let's get him before it's too late. And like I said, it, it'll it'll keep that that hype train rolling because when you add that name to the list of people that are already in the room, I think it only just makes the excitement level better. You, you know. Um, and why not do that? I think you owe a little something to the fans. Um, I think the fans have just been loyal to a fault at this point with this organization. I mean, throw them a bone. And we've got the money, too. Uh, not, not that you just want to look to throw money away, but um, you can sign him and, and we'd be fine. Like you said, it's going to be a one-year deal. It's you know, and, and if he plays lights out, well, then you probably have a really good chance of you know, re-signing him for next year. Um, so why not just take the flyer? But you're going to have to bring in somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple other guys out there. There's, you know, um, Ogletree and Bradham. And I think Perfect is even still out there. But, um, you know, you're Mark Barron, who was with the, the Steelers, um, you're going to have to bring in somebody that has a little bit of an experience uh, to be able to come into that room and, and just – I like Show Barron. Guys. I mean, Barron's still out there. Barron's a guy they should. I mean, I mean, because he knows the division for one, which which helps, yeah. especially with a shortened, um, you know, preseason. And um, it's always good to to grab a former Steeler and throw him on your roster. But um, <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're going to have to do something. And I guess that that is the one thing. And like I said, I don't want to get on them because there were so many things that needed to be addressed. But like I said, I have to believe that that linebacker position. That it couldn't have been any any lower than number three on your needs list, I wouldn't think. Um, you know, obviously the left tackle was number one, right? I, I mean, and and we got that. I don't I don't know what cornerback would have been probably uh, that could have interchanged even with linebacker. I thought. I mean, yeah, I mean, but, and and that's the thing. I think I think they're okay. I think they've done great things this off season. So yes, I would agree. I don't want to, I don't want to ride them for um, not necessarily having somebody, but you still got to go out and get somebody. You're still, I'm trying to figure it out here. I mean, you got at this point, it looks like you're 38 million under the cap. Um, We got to do something here. So let's get it done for a one-year deal. So, Tony, that's all I have. Anything else you want to say to the Browns fans here as we say goodbye to the Browns backers? No, I mean, I think it's starting to come together. I heard Stefanski, um, you know, Coach Stefanski is is finally here in the area, you know, so welcome to Northeast Ohio. Um, I, I know we they haven't been meeting as a team, but, uh, you know, uh, my contacts down in Austin, Texas have told me that uh, – you know, Camp Baker is in full effect down there, so it's great to hear <laughs> that guys are, you know, getting together and getting their work in. Um, I just, it's just going to be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks. Like, you know, I know we're all like caged tigers pacing back and forth here. I want to see the season go off, but but at the same time, we do need to be. Um, we, we need to take it slow. I think rushing into anything and not thinking it through is the worst thing we could possibly do. And, um, you know, that being said, I, I think, you know, I don't envy 
these teams because there's some huge decisions to make, but I think a lot of them are kind of common sense. I mean, some they're common sense, but you're probably going to have to swallow your pride to make them happen. Um, not having fans at training camp, that's huge. I mean, it's a real punch in the gut. But it, but if it but if it means the season's able to happen, I think fans are okay with it. I, I honestly do. Um, it's going to be real interesting. You know, we can save this for next week. Hopefully we'll have some more answers for next week. But it's going to be real interesting to see what the stadium um, seating looks like. I know um, friends at Ohio State are telling me they're they're looking at a model where, you know, only 20,000 people would yeah. be allowed in the stadium. I, how do you – I, I don't even know how you do that. Um, you know, with season ticket holders and everything else, how do you make those decisions without – You running? rotate. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but everybody's going to want the Steelers and the Ravens game, though, right? I mean, so how, how do you do that? Um, Raffle. Yeah, we'll see. Well, you, you know, maybe they do it uh, auction style. Um, highest bidder, highest bidder. Oh, there you go. Wow, that would be crazy. That'll help be the Browns. All right, Browns backers, that's all we got for you today. We'll talk to you again next week. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Again, you can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Or at Believe Podcasts. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Or at Browns Believe. That's at Browns B-L-E-A-V. Hope everyone stays safe. Stay healthy. Chub check. I need to get my check. And, and, And keep your fingers crossed. Sign Clay. Sign Clay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.